1: Kia ora and welcome to the Aotearoa Rugby Pod, our final episode for the year. And to celebrate our final episode, we've got some new digs. How good. Look at this. Thanks to all the tech guys at Sky, set up in a flasher studio with flasher lighting. It kind of shows our flaws a little bit more, probably James Parsons. Oh, it you suits know. my neck though. Yeah, yeah it does. Uh, it does. The lack thereof. Excellent movement all around. We'll also celebrate having this new studio by inviting Bryn Hall in with a brand new moustache. Excellent innovation and in technology there, Brenner.
2: Yeah, Nacho Sanchez is reporting live from Japan here, so, um, lads. <laughs> really nice to see you. So, um, but no, I've been told that I look a little bit like my dad. So, hopefully, you can watch this episode and he can um, give me a few pointers off the moustache. The moustache is, uh, is looking like it should be. It's definitely
3: not as thick as his, but it's, it's, <laughs> it's along the same lines.
2: Well, that's it, mate. a bit of maturity. So I've got a few more years to get to old Tommy T's moustache, um, but uh, now, look all for a good cause.
1: And what's a bigger compliment, looking like your dad or looking like Richard Kahui maybe?
2: Can't go past oh, Richard Kahui. I'll take that to the grave there. and probably, I'll tell it to my girlfriend as well.
1: So I'm sure love hearing that. Coming up, we've got what's going on in Wales. Um, losing to Georgia. What happened with England throwing a game away? You know, not, not going for the win at all. A season wrap, how did Artie miss out on the team of the year at the World Rugby Awards? And of course, congratulations to all the people who made all the awards and won the awards. Lots to chat about, and then maybe even a couple of embarrassing moments from the lads <laughs> along the way. So This is
3: a stitch up.
1: Yeah, it is a stitch up. Um, and if I refer to the wrong camera... <laughs> Bear with me. Bear with me, because I'm getting used to it. So, lads, let's start off with the World Rugby Awards, with a game of yes, no, and why? <clears throat> if your answer is no, I want to know why. If your answer is yes, we'll stick with the the hallowed panel from World Rugby who came up with the choices: players of the year, Josh van Fleer and Ruhe Demant. Yes, Jipper? Uh,
3: yes to Ruhe. I think uh, I think it's not just about performance. It's it's probably more around um, you know that leadership and, and how they turn things around and how she's sort of the figurehead of that, um, and obviously performance as well. Uh, Josh van der very rare that I wouldn't agree that a forward should win <laughs> World Player of the Year, but I just think Johnny Sexton was probably unlucky in the sense that, man, when he's missing, Ireland aren't the same team, and I just think his influence on games and the, how critical he is to their success maybe had him ahead in my head of, of van der but... For what Flair did down here, um, and, and the physical dominance he's had against every opposition, he's, he is a worthy winner. But I probably thought Johnny Sexton would nudge him out. Brendan, what are your thoughts?
2: Yeah, I agree with um, the De Mont. Um She obviously deserved it. Had a great, um, had a great World Cup, and then I think also even before that, playing the Australians and that um, that New Zealand period where they played against the Canadians as well. So um, yeah, definitely deserving of winning that award. But I think very similar to Jim, I think Johnny Sexton. Look, I don't think they win a lot of these games without him. And if you say most valuable player, um, and also his performance was due as well, he played very, very well in, his, in, in the game. So I would have gone Johnny Sexton, but um, I think where the game is at the moment around the breakdown area, physicality and um, and that, you know, Fanta Flea was great around that, coming into the New Zealand tour, playing those three games, influencing that. And then his the Six Nations, and then even in the back end of this uh, Northern Hemisphere tour, he um, he's a deserved person of that. But I would have personally gone for Johnny Sexton similar to what Jip was saying, his influences and how um, how valuable he is
1: for that island team. And is this your selections based on the finalists? Would you have taken Artie above all of them? Oh, I would,
3: yeah. I just think, you talk about impact on a game, maybe he is a close contest for me with Johnny Sexton, because Johnny Sexton is just so key to to results, Mm. but also not just results, his decision making as captain, he is ruthless about going to the corner and chancing his arm, and he just backs himself in his ability, but Artie I don't know, I I just can't think of another player that has had the influence and what has been a struggle um, at times for the all-black forward pack that he has just dominated every side of the ball, every collision. Um, It it blows me away that he he missed out on the... um, And I think it will blow a lot of people around the world. I don't think it will just be a southern hemisphere um, thing. I think a lot of people up in the north really respect what Artie's done.
1: Mm. Short of naming and shaming the people who selected this, when the entire world, Bryn, is going, what? How is Ardi Savier not in the dream team? How is he not even the best number eight in the world? Never mind the best player in the world, according to this panel, who have gone with Aldrin.
2: Yeah, well, that's not to say that Aldred hasn't had a great season, but I think um, for us, I think you, when the announcement came for the world player of the year, I think the most comments that were saying that was around Ardi Savier not being involved in that. Look, we've um, you know we've voiced our opinion around we think that I think he should have won it as well, and I think you know, I'd like to see what the criteria is because, you know, no disrespect to, to Arm, but, you know, he missed the majority of a, a lot of the season. And so, you know, he's missed part of the rugby championship. He's missed part of this India tour. So like, is that decision made even before going into the Northern Hemisphere tour? Because, um, look, I thought Artie was was great. So, but um, yeah, and then not even to make the 15, um, that's not saying Aldridge hasn't had a great season, but look, Artie Sevier has been, we, like you said, we were taken for player of the year. So to not get nominated for number eight. Um, yeah, it's very, very interesting.
3: I think with Aldra, it's not a slight on him as a player. Like, he is a fantastic number eight. He gets great yeah. um, gain line. He's great defensively. But I go back to, as an individual player, the ability to change a game and turn it on its head or save a game defensively, yeah. I, I don't think there's a better number eight at the moment. A better loose forward at the moment than Arisabia.
1: It's, it's incredible. I'm kind of blown away. I'm speechless. But there is some weird stuff going on here. Like the, the women's team... Instead of picking Tui on the right and Woodman on the left, they picked them the other way around. So I I don't know what game these people are watching. (laughs) That's just bizarre. But big ups to Ruby Tui for breakthrough player of the year. I think she acknowledged herself. You know, at 27 years of age, that's an unusual thing to do. Um, But when you look at the way that she affected the game, it's hard to argue that she is the breakthrough 15th player of the year
3: similar to um, Nehi and in a way like he was a little bit older he came onto the scene had the hot feed and, and really busy on the wing as well and, and, and Ruby's exactly the same like her impact her work off the ball her ability to put herself in the game and make big plays at crucial times you know for someone that has had a massive load of sevens. And I think it's good reward because she made the decision to go, no, I'm all in 15s, and this is what I'm going after. Mm. Um, so, you know, I think for her to be acknowledged as a breakthrough 15s with the application and the and the desire she's shown this year to be the very best version of herself um, in the 15s game is, is is fair reward
1: for the work that's gone in. So that's a yes from you on that's Ruby? That's a big yes, yes. A yes from you on Ruby as well?
2: Yeah, definitely for all those points that, that Jip talked around. You know, there's a very long time that she hasn't been involved in the 15s games for a long period of time. We know how successful she's been at the sevens game, but you know, she talked around early in Super Rugby Alpicky, wanted to improve her game when it came to the 15s. Like she brought in a chip and chase very early and wanted wanting to work on her skill set. But then all the points that Jip talked around around how she was at that Rugby World Cup. But what she does do as well, she's a great ambassador for the game. The amount of b- bums that she puts on seats she's something different. Uh, probably really refreshing, actually. You don't see it a lot in the men's game, and it's quite refreshing to see her personality being able to be, um, you know, I guess, um, supported from you know from all around the world with how she is. So um, definitely deserving of her performances, and I think what she does for the game as well on a bigger stage, brand wise, and putting women's
1: rugby out there is really important as well. Brett, any doubt that Ange Kapuwatso is the breakthrough of the men's oh. team? Like he was amazing again on the weekend. Oh.
2: Oh man, he's my new favourite player. He, um, I just, I play, play attracted for that first 30 minutes in um, the Italian game, even though he didn't get a lot of opportunities. But, geez, if, if you're talking about a superstar and speed, um, he's got it all. The ability that you can have to be able to beat people on a dime. If he gets into space, he's got that speed and been able to really inject himself into a game. So look, Ita- Italy have got, have had a great uh, back into this northern hemisphere tour. So um, he's been at the focal point of that, and I'm really looking forward to seeing him at the rugby world cup and hopefully. Italy can continue that um, that positive form that they've had in this back end of the Northern Hemisphere tour. Mm. And for you,
3: Yeah, it's a no-brainer. Your comparison to Billy Slater, uh, I watched him um, this week and his ability to go from a blind angle to pop out into the open and and, you know more so that try score, but he does a number of other times. He is a a serious weapon, but also courageous on defence. He puts his body on the line. Reminds me a little bit like Damien McKenzie, you know they don't have a lot of care for their body um, when they're not big lads. But yeah, he's got a massive future and um, he will be the poster child for Italian rugby for a long time. I'd say.
1: Absolutely. The other one, of course, I'm presuming is going to be yeses all round on Wayne Smith. Like, what an incredible job he did.
3: Yeah, I mean, just, you know, not expected. He didn't go into this year expecting me coaching the Black Ferns. You know, he's, he's got them to a position where they're the best in the world. Um, I do think we've got to acknowledge Andy Farrell. Um, having the ability to bring Ireland down here and do a demolition job on the All Blacks on home soil is, is a massive achievement as well. And also the fact that you know they're dominating um, most sides and, and winning ugly at the moment, to be fair. They're not playing their best footy, but um, you know he's also been ambitious with the Irish A team. He's been going between the two jobs, so he's had a fantastic year. But in terms of massive results and someone starting probably back again the wall when Wayne Smith and, and where he's finished up is, is huge.
1: Probably just as importantly, is there anyone who would beat out Bryn for World Moustache of the Year? <laughs> oh, I think Pete Samo would be up there because Bryn tries to copy
3: him all the time um, but, but um, you know, I, I still think big Carl Carl Tuinukuafi uh, takes the cake.
2: Yeah. yeah, he'll have that award until yep. the end of time. Yeah, I think Well, I'm just, yeah, definitely not in that, at that um, stage at all. Um, my dad might be, be able to be a little bit different. His, his is thick and obviously got a bit more girth to it.
1: Longevity of achievement is something that Wayne Smith's done and it's probably important for Bryn Hall as well to understand that if you want it to be a great moustache, you're going to have to stick by it for mm. years.
2: <laughs> you're going to have to commit to it like commit your old boy. It. Yeah. Yeah, well, the, thing, the, thing, the fact that you're saying I'm Richard we Kahui, Ross, might change my mindset around it. So <laughs> but
1: it does look dirty. I do look very dirty. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know about that. Now the, the talking point of the of the weekend, I think, well from almost anyone was would you settle for a draw? Would you settle for a draw?
3: Oh, I don't think it when the stakes are that high and you're in front of your home fans, I think they probably got a little bit um, overexcited from where they'd got to to get to, you know. The position, and, and probably thought, let's just, you know, from where we were eight minutes ago to where we are now at the 80th, let's get rid of it. But mm. if you watch Marcus Smith when he kicks that conversion, he does not waste any time. He kicks it, he turns around, and he sprints back halfway. To me, that's a young man. He is an attacking player, and he was going, I'm going to come down here and score some more points and, and win this game. And you could see when he kicked it out, he, I felt like it might have been a directive because he was not happy, mm. um, and you could see forwards saying, get it, get it out, get it out. Um, so I don't know. I don't think um, everyone in that team was in all agreeance, But sometimes you have to disagree and commit as, as teammates, and, and that's you know that's what Marcus Smith did. But all his body language said he wanted to he wanted to have a have a
1: W next to their name. It's so hmm. weird to commit to not winning. What a bizarre thing to do, Brent.
2: Oh, I think so. But there's probably two things actually. Hearing um, um, Owen Farrell's com- um, conversation after the game was that they talked about they came in as a group and talked around. Um, if they were going forward and they were able to build momentum and get on the front foot ball, then they would have had an attacking brain. But I think for the fact that, um, you know, you know how hard it is if you play out of your zone and you give away a penalty or you knock the ball on, then you're giving yourself an opportunity to give it to the All Blacks. And so... Um, but like but just,
3: they had done it with ease, like in that last eight mm-hmm. minutes, you know, in terms of counter-attacking, in terms of, you know, one of the biggest players that probably came off was Dalton Papali, who was slowing their ball down all night. And he was in there. And once he came off, they were just getting that front foot ball, and then they didn't have that backfield defence. So guys were trying to cover too much. Their actual ability to have front foot ball from that kickoff is right there. It was a short kickoff. are sixty out. I, I don't know. Like it was. I don't quite buy that. I, I think that yeah. I think they panicked and they just thought, "Geez, we've done really well to get it to you know a draw. Let's just take it and, and get out of here."
2: Well, that's what I mean, but like. 71st minute, if you saw it, 25-6, and you get yourself into a position where it's 25 all after a game, they'll be thinking, we'd take that. You know what I mean? But, but um, wouldn't, for, us, for us...
3: Wouldn't you think, though, like, we weren't in this to win it. We weren't even in the... in the. We were going to lose this game, so your chips are all in at that hmm. stage, are they not? I mean, at least have a crossfield kick to try and score, and maybe it gets knocked on and the game's over. I, I don't know. I, I just, uh, maybe... Yeah, you know, it's all well and good. I'm sitting here and I'm not in the pressure cooker. I may have seen it differently if I was captain um, as well. But I just think they were not in that game, and then they were all of a sudden, you know, on level pegging and with a a last try wins mindset is what I was thinking.
2: Well, that's for me. Like, but that, that's how attacking brand. Drip. Like, even Rico said after the game, if they were in the opposition and they had the same situation, they'd go for the win. You know okay. what I mean? So, I, agree. I would have definitely want gone for the win for the fact that. You know, 71, 71 minutes had gone, and like you got yourself into position. You weren't going to win anywhere. Like in that position where like we weren't really going to win, but you got yourself into position to win a test match against the All Blacks. You know what I mean? So, um, yeah, I guess I think even even Eddie Jones said after the game he trusted the decisions of the players, but I think inside, I think they could I could see a little bit of a smirk thinking that um, he probably would have won the game as well.
3: Mm. Before Stuart's, sorry, we, I'm just, I'm, I'm going down a, okay, go, a, go, go, down the before, before Stuart scored that try, did you not feel, Brenner, that Artie was on that ball for long enough
2: at that break uh, Yeah, you know, I was just thinking, like when that happened, because you know artie done some really good things before, just for half time, and those kind of positions, getting that ball to be able to win games or stop them in momentum just for half time. But I 100 thought he lifted that ball clearly, even looked at him. And then obviously the referees told him to um, to release it. But, yeah, I thought at that moment we should have got that penalty as well. Yeah. Um, but, it was... again, it's in England. It's, it's in England and Twickenham and all the crowd was going and all the
1: momentum. So didn't want to blow that whistle, I guess. And he had the World Rugby Selection Panel in his ear. Going, no, 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 no. Don't give it to <laughs> Don't Arty. let him be the match no, no match-winning plays. <laughs> Artie, not this week. He, he, gave away that many, he gave away that many penalties on the weekend. So <laughs> <laughs> blow one more. And in the end, in the last 10 minutes, the All Blacks went off the boil and mm-hmm. didn't deserve to take the win yeah so that's isn't that's how it works right um big question for you Brenner if you were a halfback in the last ten minutes of that game, would you have been taking dinky little box kicks like the team, both sides halfbacks did when the game was on in the balance
2: well I remember I definitely remember young's as one when he tried to do that. I think he must have thought there would have been someone chasing that ball because there was a bit of space there but obviously seeing through that reaction and no one chasing there, especially in that moment, I thought he'd lost the test match in that kind of uh, box kick there. But um, I'm not too sure around, T- I think if TJ, you know, had his time again, he's probably going to put that away. It might just be a contestable kick instead of a dink over. Uh, but again, uh, there might have been a call um, for a little dink play or it was just a selective of what his thought process was around doing that kick. But um, yeah, I probably think that, you know, TJ would want that one back, um, me personally. And also gut-wrenching for him to be able to just hear that he's out for nine months, you know, so he's done so well to get back. And so, um, yeah, really tail news for him to be able to get that injury at this time
3: of the year. Do you you think his thinking was, I I think, I'm not sure, I think Mark might have been in that breakdown. so And then I think Artie was there to chase. And then the conditions did seem a little bit, Mm. you know, I don't know, it wasn't easy to handle the ball. And I I was thinking, was he hoping it would kick on and maybe force an error because he didn't have, obviously, his winger up? Because they were under pressure. Possibly. They were under pressure, weren't they? Yeah, they, they were. They, there was a lot they of bodies were. on the so, ground and they, they were they were right under the pump. I think Geordie Barrett crashed it up because there were so many forwards in the other rack.
2: Yeah, and that's what I mean. So, like, you know... There were a lot of bodies on the floor and so you know, where they've been able to use it to kick from 10 probably tough in that um, position and so sometimes when you do get that kind of tops kick, um, it actually does bounce up in the end, you can actually flood that and counter right from that because obviously you know, it can bounce up and makes it a little bit easier when that running is through already severe, you see who it was there at that time jump. so, um, but again it's all outcome focused around what, we, what we're saying now but um, at the time that could have possibly been the thinking around it might pop up you can flood through, a bit greasy um, and it's a bit harder to be able to attack from that um, from that edge as well.
3: You know, losing your fullback defensively, Bryn, you'll know that. You know, you always talk about the pendulum. its It doesn't allow you to get off your line because there's just too much to cover and it makes you passive defensively. Mm-hmm. That didn't enable them to slow the ball down. So it was, you know, it wasn't really changing of a game plan as such, it was just the fact that they lost their fullback, put them in a really compromising position defensively, and they just couldn't win those collisions that they'd been winning earlier in the match.
2: When you've got kind of a man down, the collision and the breakdown area is so much more important to be able to slow down the ball because, you know, you might only have one fullback instead of having two, in the pot, two back in the boot covering that kick space. And so you've got to be able to manipulate a little bit better. And so, um, yeah, the physical, more so just England really in that moment, the execution, their physicality, Ben Young's and his ability to be able to get the ball out quick, where I thought, you know, the other half-back at times was a little bit messy around the delivery and the pressure that we're able to put him through his kicking and the running game in um, passing game, sorry. So I think it just all clicked. And for whatever reason, um, maybe a bit of magic dust that Eddie Jones said after the press conference, after the game. But I think the, the collisions, the physicality, the execution, and the ball in hand that they did play, they knew, they knew they had to score points. And so they were running and they were animating really, really well as well. So um, And sometimes, Jip, you'll know this, when a team's got momentum, it's really hard to stop when you're like that. And so it's more so just holding on. And I guess it was trying to hold on to the 80th minute knowing that Bodie wasn't coming back for the last 10.
3: I I think if there wasn't a yellow card, the All Blacks win that game. Mm. I think it put them under a huge defensive pressure. Like you could just see, you know, the probably the indecision to rush. Uh, Have we got that coverage of a kick coverage? You know, and. Um, stewards try ran between because they're trying to cover the outside and the other guys are covering the inside and no one's covering him you know so and that's all because of that inability to be effective in the tackle to slow the ball down it just doesn't give you time to make decisions and they were ruthless in their application and they
1: took full advantage of it why wouldn't you have two people back and just take someone out of the front defensive line
3: yeah there's that option and sometimes a lot of the time you, you almost say don't hunt at the ruck you know, but we did still get caught a number of times. We'd be making tackles, you know, on the back foot, and then a couple of guys were still trying to hunt for the ruck. Whereas that just, you know, that's three bodies there. Mm. You've got one in the bin, so you know, you've got 11 people trying to defend against, you know, probably 12 or 13. So there's a number of things, and I don't think that wasn't what happened. But the the speed of the ball just did not allow them to get people in the right positions.
1: There are two elements to this question is it a successful season based on the entire body of work and is it a successful season considering what they did after the disaster your first print
2: oh i think from where we were you know we were pretty disappointed around the start of the the campaign but i guess for us and seeing the improvements of where we are, I think it does make us a little bit more optimistic going into the 2023 World Cup. Look, I look at our set piece, especially the line-out more defensive, Jason Ryan coming into the uh, coming into the squad. We haven't had a line-out more scored against us in the transition area has been a lot better. Our attacking game, whether it comes to our attacking kicks now, um, you'd have to say probably 12 to 24 months ago, we, we didn't have that and we weren't able to deal with line-speed pressures, but... We saw on the weekend with Geordie, Bodie, Richie. Um, when you've got the ability to be able to kick off numerous people, you can manipulate the backfield in different ways to be able to try and counter um, that line speed attack. So that's been an improvement in our game. Um, and then also, I think there's been some great work with our with our younger forwards coming through. Toki Aho, our props, have really, really come on in the last probably six to seven test matches and so probably a weak area last year. We talked around the skill set and where our props were. A lot of questions around that. And I think we've really developed that. So um, there are some positives around where we have been. But I think, you know, if we're talking around it with the All Blacks, you know, bar that Irish series, um, the improvements that we've made in the, in the season, I think we're in a good place for us to 2023 to, to continue to jump to where we need to be. We're not a full product. We're not fully finished. But I think the improvements that we have had makes us a lot better and a lot more positive going to that 2023 World Cup.
3: I think it's a pass easily, purely based on trophies. You know, like, we, we, we go out there to, to win trophies, and apart from the you know the Irish series, we've picked up or kept, due to a draw, every other trophy. Mm-hmm. So, um, I don't know, I just think you've got the Bledisloe, you've got the Rugby Championship, um, you know, you've, you've had... A, A slow start on the end of your tour, but I I was really impressed with the way the 23 operated, especially against Wales, and then the way the bench came on and finished it off in in Scotland. Um, And, yep, massive slip-up against England when we're in a position to dominate and and ram it home, but I think we're in a good place, uh, especially because I think a lot of people still underrate us.
1: Hmm.
3: And I just think that's a dangerous um, place for people to put them against a side that... You know, has proven history of winning World Cups.
1: If you were to put a, a percentage on it, what percentage would you put on Wylock being captain and Papa Lee being at open side or Sam Kane being captain and open side, Bryn?
2: Great question. Um, but I think, you know, Sam Kane's the captain and he's been in, you know, he's been he's been trusted with that um, responsibility. And who knows um, what that's gonna look like next year. But I think what it does do, Dolphins continuing to keep putting pressure on him and so you should you talk around around competition and being able to keep that edge of training and edge in the week within Super Rugby Sam Kane's going to get that because you've got a young guy that's continuing to keep performing what I thought he was outstanding on the weekend not not just that try but what he does around the field that we continue to keep talking about and so um, yeah look it's going to be a great 2023 and see the, the fruition and I guess we talked around Richie and Bodie that conversation it looks like that you know Sam Kane and probably um, Dalton Lee will be a massive talking point for us next year based on how well Dalton's been playing and what would you do right now, Bryn? What would your call be right now? Dalton, I think, right now, for me. Um, if you're just based on performance, you know, I would go Dalton. He's played very, very well. Um, but then again, you know, Sam's leadership skills, you can't you can not take away what, the, what he brings to that group when it comes to leadership styles. And so, anytime you can have that, um, you know, um, it's really important. And so, that'll be important going forward. But right now, with how Dalton's playing and Sam hasn't been playing, um, yeah, Dalton. How would you weigh
1: up those two elements?
3: I think you've got to consider... Um, not just form of play, but the ability to know what to do in pressure moments. Uh, there's a lot of experience with Sam Kane. He is the captain. He has he has the changing room. So I think it would be it would be a unique situation to be changing a captain at World Cup time, in, in my opinion. Yeah. You, know, you you've you, you have to stick with it. But even if he's named captain, Sam's not the sort of person that would ever put himself the individual ahead of the team. And if Dolphin's playing better at the time, that doesn't necessarily
1: mean whether he's named captain or not that he's he's guaranteed that seven jersey. And you could be looking at a point where you're going, okay, we've almost got dual captains because Sam might not be an 80-minute player and the people will have to get used to the fact that the captain might not be on at the death.
3: Yeah, potentially. But um, I I think it's too early to make those calls. I, I think Super Rugby plays a big part. We've seen it time and time again before like there's look at how many injuries at nine like right now you, you talk about the nines you're probably looking at Finlay Christie and Brad Weber, with Aaron Smith going into I don't know if, if we were here a week ago you know TJ's banging that door down we've got Philal mm. Fakatava who's, who's skipping surgery to have a real crack to rehab it um, to give himself a, a you know potentially a return for the World Cup so I think there's a lot of positions up in the air which is not a bad thing
1: what is a bad thing is what's going on in Wales right now <laughs> Oh, goodness goodness me, the, it is a tough gig. They, out of all of the Northern Hemisphere teams, well, I mean, put Italy to the side there, up and down. But the Welsh, you don't know what, what's going on there, what's going to turn up. It seems like their system, after seeing Warburton's comments, it might be stuffed from bottom to top. And then they're losing to Georgia.
3: Yeah. I think the thing that frustrated me the most about this game was in the first half they were dominating. Right, They they had a, a disallowed try, but then they were in a position twice in the 22 where they just put an aimless scrubber through. I think it was Reece Samet, you know, getting an opportunity at fullback. He put a kick through when he should have just gone through the hands, and they would have eventually broke down the Georgian defence. And then um, the nine just put a tops kick to no one at the 40-minute mark when, you know, you could be going in and scoring points just before the break. And how crucial does that become when you look at the fact they couldn't get their hands on the ball, they couldn't, you know, get any parity at scrum time. And that was the winning and losing of it, is is at scrum time. And defensively, they they created too many opportunities for for Georgia to get down there. Um, But I think they just maybe took things for granted. And and in a a place that loves rugby... potentially just as much as New Zealand and South Africa, maybe more. I don't know. They, they, they are that passionate about footy. There will be a lot, of, a lot of fans asking a lot of questions, just as we've seen, um, you know, for, for the All Blacks this year. How worried would you be if
1: you were Wayne Pivak, Bryn?
2: Well, you'd have to be pretty worried. Um, because, you know, results are are massive around this, and, you know, losing to Georgia, especially in that that country where you're talking about, Jip, around how passionate they are and the expectations of that group, Um, yeah, it's not looking good. I think it's it's unacceptable, really, to lose a game like that to Georgia. That's no disrespect to Georgia. They played well. It's great to be able to have that scalp and have their first one against Wales, but if you're the Welsh, um, you're pretty disappointed, and some serious questions will probably need to be asked because a Welsh team going down to Georgia like that, and even at set piece wise at scrum times, we know that Georgia's has a very dominant scrum and forward pack. But you know, in that moment, you'd expect
0: millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost fifty pounds. Salads, generally, for most people, are the easy button, right? down. So, to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. How to get 30, 30, 30 get 30, 20 get 20, 20, 20, get, 20, 20 get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month? So, Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promo for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com.
2: Uh, a team like Wales to be able to get the job done there, and so... Yeah, some ty- some very um, big questions coming ahead for uh, for Wayne and that, that coaching group moving forward.
3: Again, a test match that I think was decided by the yellow card. Adams was off, and the, the scrum was about that 15-minute mark, so they had to mark the blind, mm. and then they were smart enough, Georgia, to play to the line, go at the back, cross-field kick to exactly where the yellow card player would have been, similar to the Black Ferns um, in the final. They just manipulated the situation that was at hand, but executed it so well. So I think they're completely deserving of of their victory, especially around their set piece dominance in that second half. I mean, they were calling in the second bomb squad, that that reserve front row, uh, and they certainly delivered on it. Um, but it's just, you know, shows how crucial discipline's gonna be World Cup. Mm. You will get knocked out if you put yourself in a position where you're yellow-carded or red-carded. It is so hard to win test matches with 15 on 15 at the moment and how close everything is. This World Cup could be decided
1: on on a discipline issue. That brings us to Australia, Bryn, because they have that same issue, don't they?
2: No, they do. Look, they were, um, man, just an, another one where you think back and you look back, how many games have gone in this direction in such tight and tight moments. And so... Um, you know that first half they dominated they dominated position and territory and just weren't able to get over the line and I guess uh, get that scoreboard pressure of being able to score the points when they had their moments and so um, yeah one that really got away from them and so um, even at times you know even late in that piece they had the opportunity to win that match but when it's going to come to discipline I think for them the biggest thing is trying to adapt it's trying to adapt in the, the discipline areas and I think that that sits well for Australia and probably the whole of World Rugby international teams going ahead because it looks like you're going to be playing games with yellow cards, with a red card. Um, different interpretations for refs and being able to have, you know, you look at the All Blacks, 17, 16 penalties from each team and it's been able to have the guys that can adapt well. And so, um, but we did say at the start of this series that there were a lot of guys that were injured and I know the results haven't gone their way, but they have been competitive and to be honest, they should have won maybe three of those test matches due to one point losses. So, um, you can take confidence in that and I know there's probably a bit of rumblings around Dave Rennie and whether he should be there, but I think they've shown they've shown enough that I think they can still win the they could still be in a place to be able to win the Rugby World Cup because of how the style of brand that they do play and that consistently when they do get it right they can beat any team on their day.
3: Do they need to potentially, you know, like we do tongue in cheek about your load uh, there in Japan? Um, but do they potentially need to look at that with the amount of injuries, especially soft tissue ones? Um, you know, Tanya Lotupo is another one that went down. I know it was after a dominant scrum, but there does obviously something needs to change because they can't keep being without this many key personnel. Mm. Um and, and I think it the you know, we've spoken about the consistency of selection. They've it's probably failed for them in the sense that because they haven't had that relationship with each other. You look in that first half how many opportunities they had but they didn't you know, take them, whether it was through lack of creativity with the 21 phase to then you know, get a turnover penalty, but also uh, they, they, stro- they struck down that right-hand side and if they'd just taken one more ruck rather than sort of throwing a reckless offload, they score potentially later. So there's elements of their game that they need to be a little bit more ruthless. At some stages, they hold the ball for too long and don't kick. And then other times, they don't score off the first phase and then kick. Or they throw a reckless offload. So I think their balance of attack has always been an issue, especially if they're not winning those collisions. So uh, uh, there's an an element that there needs to be... you know, clearly a review, mm. but there does need to be some changes and I'd say their weekly structure to get the best
1: out of their athletes. And, and that comes on to Dave Rennie, um, obviously a master coach in his time, but a master coach, Brenner, who's dealt with injuries for a long, long time and maybe it's a look in the mirror situation.
2: Well, I think that's just it and I think it's really important when you're going through a, a review process that's been able to listen to your players, you know, it might not be that case, but, um, you know, you'd, like, you'd have to think that due to those soft tissue injuries, a lot of injuries... there always seems to be a lot of injuries in and around that camp. So um, it's going to probably be a review that they might have a look at. You talk through your players, your physios, your SNC, collectively come together and be able to get a plan around could we do things better or this might be something that we can improve on so we're not having these kind of issues because, yeah, injuries has been a really tough um, situation for the Wallabies. But what it has done, and I know the results haven't um, gone their way, but it's given guys opportunities to play in meaningful test matches, which they had the hardest. They had the hardest tour playing against some pretty quality opponents and that'll set them up really well. Um, hopefully for next year. Can
1: you seriously see them getting past the quarters? I think I can with the performance
3: I saw against the French. Mm. You know, I know the, the French aren't playing as well as they like and that's what makes them so good at the moment is, is uh, winning ugly. But I think on their day you can. But I can also yeah. see them not making the quarters. Do you know what I mean? In yeah. pool play. yeah, Because they have a couple of slip-ups. So, um, yeah, they've, they've got a bit of... A bit of fine-tuning to do in their preparation. I mean, that's what it, As we know, Bryn, like, it's, it's what happens before game day that sets you up for success. And I just think something's not right in, in, in that period of time to bring the best out of them.
1: Because mm. the effort's certainly there. There's plenty oh, of effort. Like that. There is no oh.
3: lack of ticker. Yeah. <laughs> they, they are trying almost too hard at times, mm. um, you know, and, and that puts them
1: under pressure. Absolutely. The other interesting game from the weekend, South Africa-Italy. Now, Italy kind of had their ups and downs after beating Australia, Um, got absolutely smoked by South Africa on the scoreboard. What I found really interesting about that South African approach was how innovative they were, Bryn. There were so many interesting new moves and developments in that game.
2: Yeah, it was. And I think we've probably seen in the last, you know, you probably think of this Northern Hemisphere tour with Vellumse uh, 10, the change of their game and the way that they're playing. You know, Fyfta Clerk, I think, it, you know, four or five years ago when they, were, when they weren't they were kicking so much, it was all based around that quick ball. And I think um, on the weekend, you know, that first, you know, even look at the second half, they came over the top. But the way that they were playing, the, the different types of animation, the different types of moves to try and manipulate and beat teams, um, it's been really, uh, been really impressive. Sorry, and so in um, in Itali- the Italians as well. Look, I think they've um, they've they've really, really improved. I love the way that they're playing. Um, even though sometimes it doesn't come off, and probably the level of detail isn't near to the to the top tier nations. But look, I think the growth that they've shown in their game to be able to attack, and you, know, you talk around the players that we've talked about previously, um, they're in a really good place. But I've loved seeing South Africa. Um, running the ball, you know, they've been running the ball and using the outside backs and giving them opportunities to be able to, to use their flair and their X-factor and so hopefully um, it's something that we're going to see next year in the Rugby Championship and um, even then moving forward to the Rugby World Cup to have that expansive and attacking style that we've been wanting for, for a couple of years now.
3: This game sealed it for me in the sense that they're a dark horse to go back to back mm. and, and purely because for 15 minutes they were in an arm wrestle the, the Italians fronted up physically and they had a plan B to go to. They were like, right, they're dropping back for our kicks. We're going to run and score from 80 metres out. They just read the pictures that the Italians gave them. OK, they're all loading up to D.R. Moore. We're going to do a willy away around the back and, mm. and Quagga Smith just goes straight through and scores. So they are on song. When you're making those decisions and you're making those adjustments and you're also not stubborn enough to stay with what you're naturally good at, shows that they are just going to be a real threat. And it makes you think as a defender, Bryn, you'll know this, you can you can prep, you can know that they can do that, they can do that, but it, it just almost makes you hesitant, and that's all you need to be defensively to create the gap that Quagga Smith went through or the edge um, you know, that they got to and just their ability to, you know, Willems are... Holds his feet. Sometimes he's standing still for that try that um, he set up earlier. Is he standing still and just picking off defenders? Um, you know, with these and, and his, his cut-out ball game was exceptional. And I want to talk about
1: Marnie Labak. That guy can make can width pass. on a field. He can, <laughs> he can pass. He can pass. He can pass, Brendan. Do you like <laughs> the look at him?
2: Oh, I do. Look, I think it's it's a bullet. Um, any, anybody would love to have that kind of skill set. So, nah, like thoroughly impressed and um, hopefully can see it a little bit more. But well, when you combine him and Larue,
1: wow, the How abilities of with, yeah.
3: Man, he just keeps delivering.
1: I think two years ago, the South Africans hated him. He copped a lot of grief in South Africa and now I think they probably think the exact opposite.
3: Yeah, and I'm like... His ability to swing from one side of the attack to the other and make a difference. We talk about Betty all the time, but LaRue is really like that. Mm. Maybe in a different sense, he's not a blind runner. He'll normally get the ball in hand and manipulate the defence, but he is, you know, not to take it off LeBoc, but, um, you know, he is just a serious... They've just got threats across the park. Yeah. Um, yeah. yeah
1: and, with him, with
2: him, sorry, with LaRue as well, Jip, is also like his, it's his distribution skills and being able to get that ball to the edge. You know, you like your Saint Pollard that obviously chucked that in behind the the, the the pods, but it's his ability to be on the edge to be able to then square it up. If it's a short ball, if it's a long pass, to get it to those um Opepe or the other wingers as well. Um, you know, it's a, especially when they attack, and he's also got a kicking game with little grubbers as well. So it's that triple threat that he brings, and it's great to see that he's able to use all of those attributes that he does have and not just the kicking aspect.
1: And the way he mixes it up um, when he goes in and control of first receiver with Willemse, like, you can see how vocal he is, how in control he is of what's going on.
3: And it also takes the pressure off Willemse, who's still learning his way at 10. Like, when he can play in that sort of second receiver role and someone like LaRue can stand up, mm. it just sets them up for success. Sometimes Willemse was on the wing, you know. Like, they've, they've got the ability to job share, which is... is Again, I always go back to what does it because the defence will give you the pitches that you need to, you know, attack, and you're constantly going to have to be thinking. Okay, well, who's getting it here? Who's running this cutter?
1: Mm. Before we get to the end of the show, uh, a couple of things I want to run by you. If you could be one person in world rugby, Brunner, at the end of this year, who would you be?
2: Son Russell. Hey, (laughs) Russell. I think, man, he. I watched that game on the weekend uh, for Scotland and jeez, he is just, yeah, there's no decision moving forward with, you've got to have Finn Russell in that team because I was, the way that he played and he manipulated that um, Argentinian game, um, he was the best man on park by, by far, so going a little bit left, right, um, out a little bit, um, but look, I love Finn Russell, man, he's, I'm um, really jumped back on the Finn Russell train, so I look forward <laughs> to seeing him in um, Scotland and the Six Nations where we fought. Hopefully he stays in They've got that good uh, connection with the coach and player because he's a hell of a player. and was awesome in that uh, Argentinian game. What about for you? Oh, Malcolm
3: Marks. Why not?
1: <laughs>
3: <laughs>
1: I could only dream.
3: Now. I only dream to play like Malcolm Marks. <laughs> <laughs> have the rig of his. Yeah. Yeah. I, I, between, I, I tossed with this one. Obviously, I, th- I think you know um, it'd be what? pretty powerful to be Savia oh, as well. Oh. Um, just the way they play. But oh, I'm a hooker, and I just I've, I've got. Um, Man crush on, on Malcolm Marx, as we all know, who wouldn't you
1: want to be right now?
3: I think you know we spoke about it, but probably Wayne Pivak's uh, you know under the under the spotlight the most um, he's also uh, a close friend of mine so it's, it's hard to say that he, he'll be under a lot of pressure, but he's also a realist he'll know. Um, that, that, that they haven't got things right at the moment. And we speak about South um, Australia and, and potentially what they need to change in terms of their preparation. You've spoken about Warburton, who's you know, basically the Richard McCaw of mm. um, Welsh rugby. Um, I think it speaks volumes that there will need to be some change. I'm not saying that he needs to be the change, but there needs to be um, you know, a deep dive. Because when they are, you know, you look at the way they bossed that Argentinian game, like they've got, they've got the performance in them. Um, but as all teams, to be fair, are showing, except for probably you know the French and I- Ireland, are still winning games, but it's not really consistent those performances. So uh, no different to everyone. But the blowtorch losing to Georgia again, no disrespect, but um, you know between him and Dave Rennie, they're probably the most under under the pump.
2: Yeah, I agree. All those points that Jip um, that said, yeah. Obviously, no Wayne and was coached by Wayne when I was younger, and so it's always hard to be able to talk about that. But yeah, I think performance-wise against Georgia, um, it probably just puts him a little bit more in the hot seat and um, it's probably going to be a tough um, in a couple of weeks and months moving forward for Wayne.
1: Yeah, really, really tough. You know what hasn't been a really tough year for? Bryn Hall, six-time super rugby champion. <sighs> Not a bad year. Cruised off to Japan to see the world. So what we thought we'd do is do maybe the best of Bryn Hall. Oh, what do you let's think? Let's see it. You're looking forward to it. I bet Bryn? you there's a try at it, right. one set and final. That's uh, for
2: sure. Probably,
1: yeah, let's <laughs> okay, let's roll tape. Oh!
2: i am been honest, um, yeah, there was, I think I was probably almost missed the almost missed the bus. Actually, I think we had a seven thirty uh, bus roll call, and um, I set my alarm for seven forty five, and almost missed it. But thankfully, my mate Sam Whitelock helped me out. And...
3: You would never have missed the bus had you resigned <laughs> for the next year. There's no way.
1: Well, here's a test ball. Can he get it in straight? Well, oh, it's been stolen. Have you got a bone to pick with Brenner about his line-out technique? Oh, you know, well
3: maybe not Brenner, maybe the line-out caller. The double slip to the front could have been a good option. <laughs> not to the middle of the line-out to throw over a, over a Highlander.
2: I'll tell you what Jim, I give you forwards, I would never ever talk badly about a line-out throw because Scott Barrett just confused the hell out of me.
1: <laughs> Rebels, Brumbies. Oh Brumbies, Rebels are terrible. Got to tell them how it is Yeah, this is how how it is Hopefully they can get better They've been terrible And you guys, of course, up against the Rebels How do you see that one playing out?
2: Uh, I'll be picking us And hopefully I won't be injured
3: (laughs) (laughs) You can just feel a ball try
1: Just short of the line Hall has a look over the top It's a try The Crusaders Got their win over the Rebels, including a little dot down from you. Uh, good to get off the get off to the, the mic actually. No nudie run for me this year, so um, it's going to be pretty good.
2: Obviously, <laughs> nobody wants to see me nude. So, if you would have told me six years ago that I was in six finals and winning six finals, um, I would have laughed at you. So, um, and to do it here at Eden Park, um, it's got such massive special special feeling to me personally. Growing up here, all my family, all my friends, my partners here, and. Um, you know, if it is the last game, um, you know, what a what a great way to go out and, um, you know, love these
1: boys, love this club, love everything that it's all about, Joey. Now, winning titles and stuff, that's all good, but <laughs> what if you were, like, absolutely revolutionising commentary? <laughs> Like James Parsons, uh, just going next level on the one-liners. So, you're
3: going to have him winning titles and you're just going to take the mickey out of me. Well, I, I <laughs> Revolutionising
1: is a good thing. Yeah, no, no. Unless you're the person who's having their head cut off that Yeah, thing. yeah, yeah, yeah. But yeah. Um, no, I've been looking forward to this. I love my one-liners. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Bruno, was there a favourite of yours through the year? Do you remember?
2: Oh, just any time I heard James commentating, um, the enthusiasm that he has, no different from when he was a player, he's very enthusiastic as a player. So any time I got to hear James Parsons coming in live from, um, it was very special. So, no, mate, you're doing well, Jipper. Proud of you, mate. Cheers, mate. (laughs) Oh, mate.
1: Davida
3: Lee gets a hat trick (laughs) smooth seas, don't make skillful sailors, harbour of state in
1: the fight. Chipper has been saying some things in commentary which blow people's minds every day. <laughs> this week my favourite was, starve your distractions, feed your focus. <laughs>
3: <laughs> <laughs> like, t- talk about work, like, there's a lot of work that goes into that. Opportunity does it not, it presents itself when you beat the door down and that's exactly what Daniel Rona it's just done. I must say that the one-liners have really come on in the in the past couple of years, yeah. and there's a lot of thought and effort has gone to picking the right one for the right moment. It, it's quite something. Uh, if they say it's too hot in the kitchen, get out. That's not what this Northland team's about. They want to stay in there, roll their sleeves up, and go to work. Throw him to the Wolves, and he'll come back leading the pack.
1: Oh. <laughs>
3: <laughs> yeah. I'll be here
2: all day.
1: Jamie Booth in some space. The little grubber, that's for Sean Stevenson. We'll get
2: a good bounce.
3: Well, they say success depends on your appetite. Sean Stevenson and Boo are clearly starving. The players are giving me feedback that they love it. I don't think we all uh, see as one liners coming into uh, MTC competitions. <laughs> so, uh, I don't
4: know, think good the pass, the pass up this year.
3: Bryn Gatlin, 0% small talk, 100% grind. Others talk, this man hustles. It's really intensified this season because I, I, I really was like, i just make it my point of difference. And what's your favourite so far? Winning's not owned, it's lease, and they may have paid their rent in advance. The, the magician doesn't trick you, the magician makes you trick yourself. And that's just what the Northland attack have done uh, to the, point the point Southland defence.
1: <laughs> Feed your focus, Jippo. Starve focus. that distraction. Starve that distraction. Well, hopefully there's no distraction for the two coaches under fire right now. Wales versus Australia this weekend. Who do you think wins? Australia. Australia?
2: Australia. Yep, Australia.
1: Uh, the other game is super interesting. England versus South Africa. South Africa. South Africa? Just Absolutely well I couldn't wax lyrical for about five minutes like I did just before <laughs> and then pick England yeah okay Brent
2: yeah I'll go, I'll go South Africa but I think you know England would uh, be a tight one very similar to pretty much all the test matches that uh, the Italian game the South Africans have had probably go down that route and be very tight be uh,
1: a, matter, a matter of moments in that game okay so one last major prediction this is our last show of the year so I'm going to get go you guys put on the line who wins the World Cup next year
3: Oh, mate, I can't not say the All Blacks. It's just, it's in me. I, I call it blind faith, but Yeah, that's... It's 2-0. That's 2-0 that's, that's in <laughs> South Africa. I'm, I'm not going to ever put it out there that they won't.
1: <laughs> Go on, Bryn.
2: Uh, oh, look, I think, yeah, the All Blacks, but look, I think if it's not going to be the All Blacks, I think it's going to be Ireland. I think the way that they've played and the consistency, I think they still got room to, to move in. Um, yeah, you have to think Ireland. If it's not the All Blacks, but, mate... Like Jipper,
1: the 2-0, South Africa, always New
2: Zealand, mate, always. So we wanted them to win the World Cup.
1: No room for France at home is like leaving Ardi Saver out of the dream team. Yeah, I, look, I think the French will be there, <laughs> um, but hopefully not at our demise. But it's not the first time either of you have gobsmacked me this year. I really yeah. should be ready to... Uh... But, like, I'm not going to sit here and say that <laughs> it's
3: it's a dead set given. Like, I obviously not favourites, but, like,
1: I just... Yeah. That jersey means a lot to me, so I'd never bet against it. Awesome. Well, I'd like to thank you all for watching us all year long. 41 episodes coming to the end of the year. We've got a lot of people to thank. Firstly, the guys on either side of me, James Parsons, thank you very much. Great analysis. Amazing preparation from both of you. Bryn, your commitment at all hours of the day coming out of Japan. Three in the morning, it doesn't matter. You're, You're on the show. So thank you to you guys. You make the show. But there are also a bunch of other people who make this show that we need to talk a little about. We've had guest hosts come in. Jeff. TJ, Joey, which is great, the directors who keep us on track, Kingsley, Scott, Taya, Matt, Will, assistant producers, Wilson, Tom, Kayla. Everyone just thought it was the three of us. (laughs) But there's actually quite a few people who contribute over a year. The editors, Kyle, Will, and Ollie. Rugby passes crew, Alex, Tom, Ned, Sam, and Ben. Um, Gus on camera for the first time in the new studio. Thank you, Gus. Uh, The tech guys who set up the studio, Cole, Michael, Glenn, Um, and of course, the social media crew at Sky and at Rugby Pass. Harry, Cam, Shay, Alan, thank you very much for everything you do. And probably finally, thanks to the guests that came on. Yeah. Wanted to spend time with us. Yeah. Why on earth do they want to do that? I don't know. Secondly, second to, second to last. Second to last. Thank yourself, mate. <laughs> <laughs> you've been world-class. Yes. World, world world-class. World-class, right. Skip. Yeah. Yeah. You've, yeah, you've, you've led the ship. Um Thank you.
0: <laughs> Thank you. So, Captain America. Captain America.
1: C-
3: Captain America. Now, can we just roll the tape of these blue... Ah, f- oh, oh, no, yeah. we don't have it. T- Sorry. Take it away, Jepa. Take Sorry. it away. No.
1: <laughs> roll tape. This is the best of Aotearoa Rugby Pod this year, including, of course, that classic story from
4: Skog about John Devilliers' follow-through.
1: Best play you've ever played against? Johnny Wilkinson. He was an absolute student of the game.
4: Shared a room with John Devilliers for for yonks uh, for ages, and um, he's such a decent bloke. But they give him two beers, and he turns into something else. And he goes absolutely ballistic.
2: We did promise that no matter who won, who took the trophy home, we wouldn't brag about it today. But um, well, I didn't promise that I wouldn't wear Chiefs kit around the house yeah. all day.
3: So <laughs> <laughs> that's how steady I can. Hear he's him. walking around the house now,
2: not feeling too happy. Wow. <laughs>
3: We put a lot of effort into it and it it would be great like uh, if after all of that effort there was still something happening you know if if everything that we did was for 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 something it was a wild windy test match down in Wellington I was on the bench and I hadn't played a test match um, for the All Black and he just took that game and as a 10 that wants to control a game. I've never seen anything like it.
4: And he's lying there and he's, he's letting out some some big farts and I'm like, partner, this is not gonna end well. You know, some, <laughs> one of them is gonna definitely follow through. And and my, my words weren't even out of our mouth, and I could hear something just like bah. we do have mental
2: skills help in the background, especially with the New Zealand rugby. We had that resource, but you know, we're lucky that New Zealand rugby provides that. I don't think every union in the world um, has that? I think it's the main thing that referees need. Talking about like wanting to delay the game, I've had that many times where I've been that buggered in test matches and in super OV games I've just told like my hookers on my front rolls yeah. to go down because I need a rest. <laughs> um, hey mate. Oh, come in here, mate. Come in, mate. Got the big fella. Goodness, Got the me. Big fella here. Right. Welcome, Got the razor. Big fella.
1: All right, you might as well you might as well ask him a question. You might as well ask him a question, Ross. Uh, What's it like getting a phone call from Wayne Bennett?
2: Unreal. Unreal. Pretty nerve this is probably
4: the arguably be the best scenario I uh, will lead coach. What
2: position would you like to play if you didn't have a um, cross coach? like to say fullback or a running six, something like that. Use my boot
4: as well. Uh,
3: depends. Depends on the game. Depends on, maybe depends on who I'm a little bit with. If, if I've got Jip next to me in the commentary box, then I might have to do a little bit extra. He <laughs> it
4: probably,
3: it's it's probably, it probably um, doesn't give me space to talk, that, that Jip. <laughs> most improved team in Super Rugby? Oh, I think it has to be the Blues. Um, like, the,
1: the way they performed this season. Um, <laughs> they were champions last year, mate. They can't be
4: most improved. Probably strike weapons is the biggest thing.
1: Strike weapons. And, and why do you feel like that's a thing in New Zealand rugby over maybe Australian rugby at the moment? Is that just a matter of the talent coming through, or is that a matter of knowing how to use the talent coming through?
4: I'll leave that up to Brendan. <laughs> <laughs> Next there, right? <laughs> Straight through. And the sheer panic on this bloke's face like you could see like he didn't know whether he could get up he's got white shorts on you're loved up
2: you look very happy and i'm more so it's just how that kind of happened is she, an, is she an aussie is she an aussie girl or took me a week to get yarning to somebody over here and uh, yeah met her and she turned out to be a pretty amazing amazing woman so it's a it's a, something i never planned on <laughs>
1: Come out of nowhere, but uh, yeah, thanks for, thanks for bringing that one up, bro. You gotta read those leather bound books in the background there, you and Ron Burgundy. <laughs> yeah, I've done my own books actually,
3: I published uh, last year. I just sit down and read uh, about myself pretty
1: <laughs> so.
3: <laughs> you're
4: something to put yourself to sleep, then uh, I know a pretty good book. The Assistant coach Had Small comes to him and he's like, John, you really got to call through to the Fords, you know, to, and he's like. What the hell is that smell? And John's like, no, 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 I'll get, I'll get, I'll get the calls through.
1: Endless amount of first date options, Baden, When you're in a new city, there, there are places you can take everywhere because you've never been anywhere, right? First date options are all over the place. Exactly, exactly. Like new experiences are every single experience. So like. It's just all—it's all magical
2: at the time, at the, at the moment, Ross. So it's just a, it's a non, <laughs> non-stop honeymoon experience. You
3: see some biceps popping out. Oh, James one, Dolman, eh? yeah, he—he's he's definitely been in the curl rack, surely. Yeah, he loves a bit. Of, he loves the curl rack, but um, and, and he'll love this. But he does, I'm sure, he tailors his shirts as well, just to, to make to. them pop a little bit more. Has to that that inseam—he just clips that inseam, surely. <laughs> it's just an old trick, yeah. Of yours. Yeah, yeah, experience, <laughs> yeah. experience.
4: But the panic when he got up. And it took like two steps, and then everything started running down his legs into his socks. I could, I could not, I could not recover in time for the game. I was basically catching the first kickoff, giggling like this. I was like, how, did this how did I just experience this happening? So the, the bloke basically sprinted off the pitch. I had to call the team manager to bring you know, a, a new set of jumpers down and a medic. So uh, oh, it was shoot, absolutely incredible to witness.